So on this episode of It Came From The Woods, we're going to be talking about what isn't being done for the Highway of Tears and the women who are missing in this region. In the past two episodes, we spoke about the history of the Highway of Tears and the project EPANA, what the Canadian government created years later to find a way to find these women and solve their murders. However, um, a lot of people argue that there isn't enough being done for these women. So like I mentioned in the first episode of It Came From The Woods, um, the Highway of Tears is a very long stretch road and it's famous because a lot of indigenous women disproportionately go missing in this area. Um, It is very scary and a lot of women growing up in this area know that from a young age and have a lot of family members um, missing as well that they shouldn't be hitchhiking with among this area because they are sought out like prey and like i said the highway of tears is in british columbia and this became a huge political scandal in canada um So those cases are just a small fraction of the number who have been murdered or disappeared nationwide. As I mentioned before in my last episodes, I only covered the cases from the EPANA um, by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. It was a special unit formed by them and they officially officially linked 18 cases from 1969 to 2006. So to this highway and the two connecting arteries of the highway and in British Columbia and within this area more women have vanished since then and community activists and relatives of the missing say that they believe that the total number is close to 50 and all the cases remain unsolved and since then more bodies and vanished women have appeared within this highway. So Justin Trudeau's, the Prime Minister of Canada's predecessor, he refused um, to um, investigate these m- missing cases of women after so many people called f- uh, called for action for him to look into these cases because they were saying how disproportionate these missing cases and vanished women were. So in December, after years of his refusal and um, Justin Trudeau comes in. He announced a long-awaited national inquiry into the disappearances and murders of Indigenous women in British Columbia. So the inquiry set was set to cost forty million Canadian dollars, which in the U.S. is thirty-one million dollars, and is part of uh, Justin Trudeau's promise of total renewal of Canada's relationship with its Indigenous citizens. And it comes at a very critical time because a lot of people are calling to action for change in Canada, which is very necessary for these particular groups. So I want to go into some more statistics and data because it's so crucial to the Highway of Tears and its investigations to finding these missing Aboriginal women. So Aboriginal women and girls make up about 4% of the total female population of Canada, but 16% of all homicides, as I mentioned in the first episode of It Came From The Woods, according to government statistics. So Carolyn Bennett, 
the Minister of Indigenous and Northern Affairs. She has spent months traveling across the country to consult Indigenous communities. She was discussing how the Canadian government has treated them in the past and such. And during her meetings, these families and survivors have complained about the extensive racism and sexism at the hands of the police that they've encountered, which is very interesting because we see how police brutality and systemic racism is a, not just an issue in America, especially after um, the death of George Floyd. This is such a pivotal narrative to focus on especially not just in america but in the world in total as a whole i mean but to continue um she says that uh those who treated the deaths of indigenous women as inevitable inevitable i'm sorry and as if their ma their lives mattered less so the rcmp really just never really paid attention into these cases, even when communities went forward saying that these women, they knew who had done something to these women. They really didn't believe them. So um, in that degree, they really need to work how they communicate with these communities because um, there are Canadians' original natives and they need to respect and a very disturbing fact that Carolyn Bennett highlights after visiting these communities and watching the dynamics of their relationships with the RCMP, she states that um, the RCMP um, immediately assumes the women's deaths to be suicide, drug overdoses, or accidents over the protests of relatives who suspected foul play. This comes to show... The relationship the RCMP have with these indigenous and aboriginal groups. Um, they have a sort of bias and innate prejudice towards them because they assume already how they are so limited in their sources that they are just people who are living like this who don't need help and they, ex they ask for these consequences or if almost they look for these consequences when in the reality all of this can be avoided if the government could just provide them proper access to basic things that everyone has access to in the in the Canada basically and to add on to that list of really disturbing reports that Canada's government has clearly overlooked a United Nations report last year described measures by the previous government before Justin Trudeau assumed his role as prime minister that uh, the previous government, government to protect Aboriginal women from harm as inadequate and said that the lack of an inquiry into the murders and disappearances constituted as grave violations of the women's human rights. So for the United Nations to release a report and say this and highlight the failures of their law enforcement, it's clearly the impunity of their part. Moreover, the federal government has allocated 8.4 billion Canadian dollars, which are 6.4 billion in US dollars, 
over the five years to eight indigenous communities which have disproportionate high levels of poverty, incarceration, and alcoholism, not to mention substance abuse, and often they are they lack the basic necessities like safe drinking water, which is crazy to even think about a country so developed as Canada that these people do not have access to such basic necessities like that. It's really crazy to me how a world that is so developed and you know a lot of people regard Canada as being like one of the most like neutral most like um places that really you don't really expect all these things to happen but it just shows that there's a culture of racism there's a culture of like anti-blackness anti-indigenous anti like women across all cultures not just in the U.S. and I feel like it's something that we need to pay attention to around the globe. Nonetheless, um, this Carolyn Bennett basically said that the breakdown in Aboriginal communities was the product of generations of socioeconomic marginalization and trauma tied into government policies. Um, like I mentioned in the first episode of this um, podcast, um, particularly damaging was the state-financed church-run boarding school system for Aboriginal children who were forcibly taken from their families by officers of the Royal Canadian Mountain Police. So, more than at least 150,000 children, Aboriginal children, um, were sent to these residential schools over a century and then became victims of physical and sexual abuse, which is very tragic. And then, it's so crazy, but the program was fully shut down until the mid-1990s. So, basically, we're almost into the 21st century, and this racism is still literally being perpetuated in Canada. So, um, it hasn't been that long since these communities have um, been stopped being marginalized at the hands of the government. So now they're just later, now they're just dealing with the repercussions of it. And, you know, the lack of resources, the limited opportunities is just one of them. And the Highway of Tears is so, it's such a layered phenomenon because so much goes into it. A lot of people would say and argue a lot of these women wouldn't maybe go missing had they had the chance to, like, free public transportation had they have access to a better life opportunities and such so it's really crazy to think about how just because you're born into a certain disenfranchised race or community how much your life can differ so much from the average white person white woman white man and sometimes it really shocks you when you just step back and you realize that this is the life that others have to lead and have to live for generations and generations in generations even so to come. So in 2016, the provincial government announced plans in December to improve safety plans along Highway 16, including funds for traffic cameras and vehicles for indigenous communities. But a lot of people have not seen any change. Little has changed on that road, which lacks um, significant light and lighting, 
or any public transportation other than frequent Greyhound bus services that does not reach the remote communities and uh, reservations that these women usually live on. So that peril, like, it does not stop, um, especially people who are desperate, who don't have access to these, like, any transportation to hitchhike. And um, especially in a region where public transportation is practically non-existent. So, um, British Columbia is infamous for its serial killers and criminals who are often targeting um, Aboriginal women. For example, Robert William in 2007 was a pig farmer who was convicted of killing six women through the DNA of remains of 33 women who were discovered in his land. That's insane. So many of them were Aboriginal, and one of Canada's youngest serial killers, um, Cody Legbockoff, I think how you pronounce his name. If I botched it, I'm really sorry, but who cares? Um, he was 24 when he was convicted in 2014 of killing four women near the Highway of Tears. And David Ramsey, a former um, Prince George Provincial Court judge and convicted pedophile, so we can have really sketchy leaders, just to highlight that, um, was imprisoned in 2004 for sexually and physically assaulting indigenous girls as young as 12. So um, this just highlights the culture of what goes on in British Columbia and how the Canadian government has had policies and leadership that has continuously allowed for these women to go missing for years and to be vanished, to be taken um, advantage of sexually, physically, in every regard. And it's very sad how they haven't implemented anything for the safety of these women. So, um... A lot of family members in this region say that they receive little help from the authorities and it's a very sharp contrast to the cases of missing white women. Um, despite the, uh, them being a really disproportionate amount of Aboriginal women going missing in British Columbia, there are still cases of missing white women and while this is still sad, um, they are usually solved and have a lot better more of coverage than the cases of Aboriginal women that are missing, murdered, or vanished. And usually the police is more compliant to their cases. They're usually uh, a lot more active in their investigations. And so is the community as a whole to look for these women. So it just, the contrast between the two is very interesting and it's really been the fault of Canadian government policies and leadership as a whole because um, they really just don't regard the lives of Aboriginal women to the same effect as they do to um, their white counterparts and that is just the truth. And there's this one particular case that this family, they were like searching day and night for their missing daughter. Um, and they did nothing to help this Aboriginal family. But the next day, a white woman disappeared near Vancouver. They mentioned vaguely. And the police were out in the streets putting up posters. So 
the difference between the two community relations is very huge and it clearly impacts how these women find safety in their communities as well. So in 20, at this point, um, a lot of the cause of deaths for these um, women, uh, missing indigenous women, remains under investigation and no further information are available. So, uh, and this was given and written by the RCMP media relations officer when asked about the status of most of these cases. Um, so while the police may have not, may have not been really involved in the investigations a lot of the communities themselves though have an idea already who the killer might be um because at the end of the day if the rcmp is not helping them so who do you have to protect you the only people that can protect you is the people within your own community so dozens of people including a lot of uh commissioners within the provinces of canada um, they called to have a national inquiry and the MMIWG, which is an organization for missing indigenous women, um, they really called into action this national inquiry. So when Justin Trudeau took his role as um, prime minister of Canada, um, they made sure to focus on this because Everyone in the world has an increasing awareness of this issue, and the United Nations report actually just um, just really put them on center stage, and it really focused on them. Um, so that concludes the podcast. It came from the woods, and I just want to add some special notes that. Um, I got into the Highway of Tears because I really love um, true crime on YouTube and I saw a lot of, of these videos come into my playlist. So I just wanted to highlight the ongoing issue that Canada seems to be having and it's almost like an issue that got swept under the rug because, like I said before, a lot of people see Canada as this idyllic, neutral place where like a lot of things don't go on it's very calm and serene but it's like when you do research you see how every country has had a culture of like racism and you know against women and you know no country is exempt you know I don't feel like any country's history is great it's like a lot of countries histories are made off the backs and the labor of black and brown and indigenous people so i i can't say that i'm surprised but i am i was surprised to find out this from canada and it really just made me more aware of the issues going on there and how you know it isn't something that's just prevalent in the u.s it's prevalent everywhere in the world so again, thank you for tuning in to this podcast. It was really fun to do. And I really enjoyed researching all this because I knew a lot about the Highway of Tears, but at a surface level. So 
doing all the extra research, especially for this um, class that I had to do it for, um, my public relations, PUR for 9040 class at FIU. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed doing this. And I wish that, you know, more people would soon look into the cases of these Aboriginal missing women in Canada. So thank you so much for tuning in.